So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Gregan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Welcome back to another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast, and it's playoff time. That's right, Super Rugby 2018, the regular season, is done. So we have round 19 that we'll wrap up today. We also have a special guest on the show, Will Miller, um, who's going to come have a bit of a chat to us about how the Waratahs are feeling ahead of this sort of playoff push. Uh, We'll have a look forward at all the highlights of this weekend, and then put forward our sort of grades for these teams that have finished their 2018 season. And then, after all that, we'll have a look and put together our brackets and now got a final playoff picture of who's going to play who, at least next week. Joined with me, as always, Toby and Leo. Thanks for joining in this morning, boys. How did you find this weekend? Uh, a bit frustrating, but um, a, lot of, a lot of good rugby and, and a, lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of good looks towards the finals. I think we're going to have a really good series. Uh, it's a shame we didn't get more Australian teams in the mix. But uh, we've got we've got a clear one that everyone's got to get behind and support, and that's the Waratahs. Yeah, you're right, Lee. I think I was a bit frustrated as well, particularly with the Tars and also, I guess, the Rebels not being able to close out their opportunity for the playoffs. But like you say, there's still the Tars alive, and you know I think everyone should get to Allianz um, on the weekend and try and support them. Yeah, that's right. This may be the final home game of Super Rugby in Australia uh, this week, uh, depending on how results go. You. You'd love to have a couple more for the Tars. But a bit of other news as well this week. You obviously had George Smith's farewell with the Queensland Reds. You've had things like Amanaki Mafia getting in trouble with Lepetti Tamani and with New Zealand police. And even Will Genia may, may be leaving our shores once again. But we'll, we'll go through that as the games come up. Let's start on Friday night. Match report, round 19. The Reds versus the Sunwolves in what was a dead rubber. Uh, it was the 13th versus 15th place in Super Rugby. And look, the Reds sort of got a bit of a revenge game after losing um, earlier this season to the Sunwolves. They came out a bit hard. But again, a game marred by cards. Reds winning this one 48-27. And the Reds put on a pretty good show. Uh, the Sunwolves are definitely competitive in the, in the moment too. Uh, again, as you said, Arch, red card for... What looked like a fairly innocuous uh, scrub on the face from Ed Quirk on onto the fly half Hamish Stewart, but look if if that's again if they're going to set that line and say we don't want anything grubby in the bottom of a ruck, I'm sure the players will appreciate not copying any of that. But I think it's going to be very hard to be consistent because a lot of that stuff goes unseen, unnoticed off camera. The Reds are if if I was to talk about their season a little just very shortly, they're. They're a team on the rise, and I really want to see more of them next year. They're, they're an exciting one to keep an eye on. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with Will Genia, um, but he could be going back to Queensland, so that would be a massive boost to them to you know form a partnership with Hamish Stewart. But yeah, the Reds this year, was it was really a rebuilding year under Brad Thorne. As we've seen, they've really uncovered some good young talent, and it seems like they're putting together a really good spine of players to, to build around. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really optimistic about their future. 
they of course uh, say farewell now. I mentioned George Smith earlier, but other a few other season veterans in the form of sort of Kane Douglas also leaving leaving Queensland rugby now. And John O'Lance heading heading back to the Northern Hemisphere, and I think we've we've really enjoyed watching John O and, and Kane run around this year. Like makes such a difference having those senior guys around those young guys, and it's a shame we won't see them in Wallabies colours because of where they're headed. For their next for the next contract, but uh, look, I'll tell you what. In my books, they're always welcome back. Great players, well done, good season. Yeah, definitely, Dono. I'll, I'll try and get across to see him play for Worcester at some point. Um, they'll, by the looks of it, they're going to be fighting to stay up in the Premiership this year um, with quite a tough field with Bristol coming in. So it's going to be an interesting season for him. Um, but yeah, wish him well. Give us a grade of what you think the. Um, Red season really stacks up if you look at it. Did they exceed expectations? Was was this what we expected? Look, the Reds, we knew that coming into this season, they are bringing in a lot of young guys and the early rifts between Quade Cooper and, and issues with Carmichael Hunt meant that this was a destabilised team. I think expectations were you know, optimistic, but the, but the realistic side of it was that this was not likely to be a team challenging in the finals but I actually think they I think they've performed beyond expectations certainly my expectations I had them pegged for four wins this year and they've come out with six and and they've been really competitive in some other games and you know even in the first game where they copped the the card heavy treatment they were definitely a team that could have could have gone close to a, a 50-50 and 8-8 eight and eight season in the wash so uh, I'm really excited as I said for next year I think Brad Thorne I don't know. I don't know what his coaching style is beyond. I think just building the culture and and you know maybe his strategic experts are in the assistance. Uh, he doesn't tend to talk about it too much. I think he keeps it fairly close to his chest. But he's got a bunch of young impressionable guys there. I think they've definitely got huge potential for next year. Um, as long as they can consolidate a lot of those guys, they're, they're losing good people, but they'll they'll fill those gaps. I think next year they they should be you know challenging. The, the better teams in the Australian Conference and definitely the OCs teams. And if I had to give them a score, I think they've they've outperformed my expectations. I think I'd give them about a 7 out of 10, not compared to other teams, just compared to where I thought they'd be. They've, they've definitely impressed. Mm. No, definitely. Now, before we move on, let's uh, mention the Sunwolves as well. This is a team, obviously, who had very low expectations this year coming into the season. But, you know, they've found some talent there and they've brought in... The coaching of Jamie Joseph has seemed to stabilise that team. They've found some good players and they've played some entertaining rugby all year. And I don't think this game was any different. It's a shame their last two games they've been playing uh, with only 14 men on the ground. Uh, as much as we may disagree with it, they've still attacked. They've still looked to score. And I think they've done pretty well. Yeah, I think Archie Wright, led by Hayden Parker around the field, really, really strong kicking from him. Um, and some good tactical play as well. They probably do need to form some combina- combinations and, and make sure they're actually keeping a consistent team on the park every week because we've seen so many changes come in and I think that's, that is quite disruptive and that probably creates some of their defensive woes. Um, but in, in attack especially, they've been pretty potent in a lot of these games and been putting on 20, 30 points with relative ease. Um, they had a lot of injuries at the start of the season so they only found Hayden Parker like six games in they had that other guy offensively like I say they they have performed well going forward if they I think this I'm not sure how how long Jamie Joseph will be in the role 
um, whether he's looking more long-term. But I think bringing in some of these Kiwi guys that have played Super Rugby before that perhaps spent a bit of time overseas and are now looking to get back into Super Rugby and even some of the fringe Australian guys we're seeing emerge. Um, you've seen Sam, Sam Wax there for a while, but a couple of other guys there in the pack, Ed Quirk, obviously. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I know we want to have some Japanese guys coming through the system and, and building their reputation um, in Japan, um, and that probably helps the national team as well. But I think having more imports doesn't hurt the team too much because the Japanese fans get behind them. Um, and you just see with with the likes of Hayden Parker and guys like that, some of the guys in the outside backs um, and even even in the forwards, I mean, they're kind of spread across the team. Um, I, I think from, from a perspective of, look, we thought that they'd be a lot worse than they were. Um, I'd probably give their season a 6 or 7 out of 10 just based on how far they've come since last year. Um, and you can see some really good signs that if they can continue to build like they are, it's, it's a bit similar to the Reds. I think that they can you know, start to challenge the Australian teams and, and pick up wins, particularly at home. Definitely, and should be exciting to see what they put together next year ahead of, obviously, the Japanese World Cup. Um, they'll be looking to make a strong showing and get a lot of support behind that, But though I know there's already a lot of hype around it. Uh, let's go across to Saturday afternoon, had the Highlanders versus the Rebels in, in what was a bit of a do-or-die game for the Rebels. They had control of their own fate. They could win this and secure a spot in the finals. Didn't manage to quite get it. Very close in the end. 43-37. to 37, The Rebels just coming up short. Yeah, and a tough place to play in Forsyth Bar and to, to only go down by six points to a, to a Highlanders team that's been pretty good this year. I think the Rebels, look, to turn their season around from one, one win last year, Dave Vessels has come in. He's had to deal with a fair bit of transition within the club. Um, and really, you know, create a good culture around some of the force guys coming in and, and making sure everyone's working well together. It's a shame that with Marfi and um, Tamani kind of clashing after this game, the players were actually told not to go out before they actually knew the result of, of whether they could be in or out of the, of, the, of the playoffs. But, yeah, it was disappointing that the culture, I guess, the, the building of that culture was marred a little bit at the end by by the actions of two, these two players. Um, I know they've both been fined $15,000 each, um, and it looks as though now they wanted to retain Marfi. I know Tamani was going, but it looks as though Marfi will probably move on now as well. So keep an eye out for him at the, at the Sunwolves potentially. Um, but, yeah, for the Rebels, look, I think, what do you guys think? They've, they've been pretty impressive, but a little bit inconsistent perhaps, but that's probably to be expected. Yeah, they've. Um, I've appreciated the transition away from Debrasini. I think they've been a bit more consistent. Although maybe Hodge, Hodge really is to me just filling a position there at ten. Um, I don't think he's got a whole lot more than just distribution skills in in the ten skill set. So I think we we probably need to see someone else come in there, and that's what we're maybe thinking. Maybe Matt Tamua's headed in that direction, which would be really exciting. I think he's done a serviceable job, and obviously his kicking is really important, and that gets him involved there too. The the team as a whole have definitely done well after being, you know, rival two rival teams shoved together and and mixed up, and you know people fighting for positions, and they've actually managed to keep a fairly, like they managed to pick their best players and and keep that form all the way through pretty consistently, which is good. And they've had a lot of exciting breakouts, guys like Jack Maddox, who we want to see lots more of. 
Um, Billy Meeks has had a big season. Lots of individual pieces there, and with more time to develop those combinations and Dave Wessels to just build a few other players in around the fringes in the off-season, I think, again, another team that's going to make the Australian Conference really competitive. And, and I think we had high expectations. Obviously, Archie was tipping them for very high honours at the start of the season. They didn't quite get there, but he certainly he certainly was uh, was cheering them in the right direction. Uh, I think they probably they probably land about a, a six for me, so not quite as uh, impressive based on the firepower they had as someone like the Reds to to go quite well. The Reds are only uh, one game short of the Rebels, and they did it with a bunch of you know rookies to Super Rugby. Yeah, I I obviously had big expectations for the Rebels coming in. I thought the firepower they could put on the field could definitely put them on top of the Australian Conference. And Leo, you mentioned it there. It was, it was about consistency. We saw them come out of the gates um, firings, winning the first five games in a row. Um, everyone was hot on the Rebels then. I was like, yes, this is what, this is what we're going to see. And then we saw that inconsistency come into their play. And I think that was off the back of a few different things. Things like getting injuries to people like Will Genia really disrupted them. A few sort of rotations went before they found really their best sort of pack as well. And that's sort of still going a little bit with their front row, which I think is an area they really need to look to improve this off-season. Definitely if Matt Tamua ends up there, as we've been mentioning, Will Genia has posted up a post on Instagram sort of thanking Melbourne for his time there and makes it sound a little bit like he might be leaving off, which would be a real shame, I think hurt the Rebels' sort of chances moving forward. They may need to look at other sort of halfback options. So, yeah, I think, I think I'd think i put them even lower than a six-layer. I think I'd almost put them at a five. They had opportunities to definitely make playoffs, um, whether that's beating the Reds last week, whether that's taking their chances in this game. Um, though I think they played very well in this game and you had people like Hodge setting up two, two intercept or charge down tries um, to keep his team in it. And at the end, they were even looking threatening. And it was only Waisaka Naholo putting a massive hit on Jack Maddox that really stopped the flow of the game at the end and really shut them down and put that game to rest. Yeah, inconsistency. Want to see them get a few more wins over their Australian conference sort of rivals as well. Um, I'm looking forward to their games versus the Waratahs next year. I think that's going to be some of the best games within the Australian conference. The Highlanders obviously move on and they're, they're into the playoffs. They've secured their spot. Um, won't be playing back in Otago or Dunedin any time again this year. Um, how did you think their performance led them in for the finals? You know what? I think it's it's been tough to judge them lately. They've rested a few guys and they've made some rotations throughout the team. Um, and it, it's been interesting this year, Aaron Smith coming in and out of the team pretty consistently. Um but I think you'll see, obviously, their, their full-strength full team being put out there against the Tars on Saturday. It's really tough to judge with them because I think early on in the season, you really saw their, their backs come, to, come, come together well, um, particularly the centre pairing with Tay Walden and Rob Thompson. And then they went a little bit flat through the middle of the season. But, look, I'm, I'm pretty worried about the Tars playing the, the Highlanders. As um, you know, Daryl Gibson alluded to, he thought it would be the Jags. It would have been a much better game for the Waratahs to have against the Jags. But unfortunately, now they really have to step up against, I think, it's going to be a really tough game against the Highlanders. Yeah, and speaking of the Waratahs, that's the next game we'll come to. 
Uh, myself and Leo were attending this game, seeing the classic rivalry between the Tars and Brumbies. Uh, didn't go the way we thought, though. The Brumbies came out firing, and they stayed strong this whole game and put on some really great tries, really, starting from, you know, Tom Banks getting a almost full-field intercept to chip kicks by Carl Godwin and Kurundrani setting up other tries later in the game. Waratah's going down by 9 in the end, 31-40. to 40. Yeah, and this this maybe was a, a Brumbies team who were coming up for nothing more than, than the spoiler. Like, they knew at this point that they couldn't qualify for finals. I guess a an, an, point we made recently is when the pressure's off and the expectation of, you know, a win or, or success or whatever it is isn't really sitting heavy on the Brumbies. They've, they've really opened up and they've played some really exciting attacking rugby. So they just need to get into that mindset when they're, when they're playing meaningful games and we'll have another competitive team. But they were definitely superior to the Waratahs in this game. Um, the Waratahs looked really flat. They, the only time when the attack came together and they actually broke out, they'd make 30, 40 metres. And you'd think, right, we're on. This is great forward momentum. And they'd, they'd overplay it and they'd, they'd try and turn that one successful attacking phase into the whole attacking phase to try and score points. They get Falau had three different offloads at ankle level over the sideline. Just terrible decisions to throw the ball there. Like I don't know what the mindset is of those guys in that moment when they're when they I don't know that's it's like it looks panicky. That's what worries me similar to Toby about what could happen this week. Um, the Highlanders bringing their best side and, and coming for revenge. Um, I want to see Waratahs should have been competitive with the Brumbies, even with their attacking uh, flair that they brought. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't see it. They just, yeah, they looked really flat, and and they got they got monstered by the Brumbies forwards too. Yeah, I think it starts with the forwards and making some real impact through the middle, and then going wide to their obviously elite level backs out wide. They're kind of guilty sometimes of being a little bit one dimensional and just spreading it wide too early, which often just you don't get the penetration you need. You don't get the quick ruck ball because um, the defense really isn't stretched properly. Um, I think they'll address that. I think it could have been, I guess, because it was such an easy win against the Sunwolves. I'm not sure if that made them a little complacent for this game or maybe get a little bit ahead of themselves in terms of thinking, oh, look, this is pretty easy. We're scoring tries pretty easily. We can just throw it around, be, be a pretty loose um, with our structure. Um, and, you, you know, it, the Sunwolves game wasn't representative of how well the Waratahs were playing at that point in time. They should have, most teams would have would, would have done that to a Sunwolves outfit that was, was down to 13 men at one stage. So I don't know if that kind of skewed their perception of how well they should be playing against the Brumbies. Because um, we know the Brumbies really have stepped up in the last couple of months um, since their tour of South Africa. Maybe the Waratahs, look, they wanted this win pretty desperately, I think. I'm not sure if it was either desperation or the fact that they thought we're a better team than the Brumbies. We should be able to do this. Um, we should be able to pile on the points and, and come away with this and, and hopefully get a quarterfinal and semifinal at home. But at the moment, because they've taken their eye off the prize a little bit and it just seems that they weren't executing, they've now put themselves under really extreme pressure um, this first week. And to be honest, I could easily see them going out, which is a bit, you know, it's a sad thing to say that because... They have been coming into form at the right time. Yeah, um, I agree. They just looked very much flat and not really in up for it for this game at the very start, on the heels and just missing those one-on-one tackles early on. It, you could say that they were, you know, thinking about the week ahead, but 
then I watched sort of this post-match press conference and it didn't even seem like they really knew what was going on the week ahead. I'll just kind of put it on this audio for you. Have a listen and give me your thoughts. You, uh, you guys stay up tonight, watch those games that you find out in the morning when you wake up? No, you know. much caffeine you had? Yeah. <laughs> I, I won't stand up to watch footy. I'll be standing up because there's something going on in my head. But, um, that, uh, yeah, it's, it's likely to be the Jags, I'd say. No, I mean, not if the Lions win. Yeah. That's the Highlanders. Yeah. The Lions... What's that? Well, it probably the Lions win, win and you'll have the Highlanders here. Third versus... Yeah. Does it, does it help if you, if you do come up against the Highlanders knowing that you've beaten them? I think it's on us. Mm. This whole week's on us. Uh, that was Daryl Gibson and Bernard Foley realising that, oh we might actually get knocked out of second place into third and have to play the Highlanders this week. Yeah, that's like, you got journalists explaining the table and the possibilities to them post-match. And this, yeah, I think this all, it all kind of tells the same story, what we've already said. And then you, you see something like that in the press conference. The Waratahs came out on, on Saturday night, threw the ball just edge to edge, didn't really set up much structure and got absolutely nowhere probably thinking that we're, maybe maybe win or loss that they were probably going to play the Jags. Maybe weren't aware at all that third place was was where they'd end up if the Lions won and they lost. And, yeah, it seems like Gibson had no idea about that at all. So for a coach to not understand the risk where you could drop from second to third, it doesn't sound like much. But that's, that's a uh, semi-final home field advantage potentially. And potentially, if, if someone was to rock the Crusaders and they are maybe going to play the Hurricanes or Chiefs, that could be home field advantage all the way through the finals. So it's a big thing to lose, and it just didn't seem like he had any idea that that was a possibility. So question, questioning what the coach is thinking about at all, aside from cruising past the Brumbies and hopefully playing a team that he thought he could beat. Yeah, I mean, you could say it's a bit of a brain fade, but it seemed like he was pretty convinced that they were going to get the Jags regardless of, of what else went on, which is a little bit baffling. Um, we've we've contemplated this final structure for a couple of weeks now and, and thinking about the combinations of what could happen. And I'm not saying that the coach should be, you know, desperately trying to work out ahead of time what's going what's gonna to occur, but it just seems like to have that little clue about what's going to happen next. Um, particularly when you 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 get the Highlanders instead of the Jaguars, that's that's a massive massive let letdown I think in terms of his uh, awareness um, and it just shows that they really haven't started any sort of preparations for the next round, which you could argue is fair enough because they don't know their opponent until that result. But you know you'd, you'd have to think okay we've probably got a couple of teams maybe two or three we can play and that'd be it. So. It's whether they should have been thinking a little bit more about um, the consequences of, of playing poorly in this game. That's right, and what the implications of a loss really meant and maybe instilling the players with that sense of urgency um, in any case. But look, credit to the Brumbies. They played very well and played really entertaining football. They seem to just um, improve and play better, Leo, as you say, with the pressures off. When they're the underdogs, they seem to come out and play with a bit more flair and their forwards were playing great Rory Arnold um, was playing amazingly at the start set up two tries with sort of offloads to Nicerani and to his brother people like Muirhead really come on this season 
and playing absolutely great um, football, combining with Tom Banks and running around most of the Waratahs players to score a, a classic individual try himself. Really great things to see from the Brumbies. And if you, you think if you could see them playing like that for, you know, uh, 50% more of the time next season, they would be right up there in this sort of playoff race. Yeah, I think it's got a lot to do with... They've, they've stuck with a lot of selections in the last few games. Um, they've kept Lelia Fano at 10. Um, Joe Powell's obviously there. And they've got Pocock back, and he's healthy and he's playing well. Um, they've got a pretty, you know, world-class type five. You know, Flaufang is showing a lot of potential. They've got two great props um, and a couple of great second rows in there too. So I think they haven't gone away completely from their tight game. I think they've learned to balance it, and Dan McCullough has kind of grown as a coach a little bit. So that gives me, I think, a bit of confidence for next year and, and what they're capable of. I think they have a few positions they need to sort out um, I heard Dan McKellar saying this week that, look, they want to sort out this, the situation with Lili Afano, whether he's staying, whether he's going, and that should be done this week before he goes off to Japan. There may be some kind of, I guess, dangling the carrot a little bit and saying, look, if you get back up to form, you could feature in the, in the World Cup next year. So that might be something he's considering if he wants to stay. Like I said before, I think Joe Powell will stay there at nine. But I think there's just, yeah, 10 and 12 is, is where they need to sort out um, what they're doing next. We've, I think you guys would agree, someone like Muirhead's been impressive. Tom Banks, obviously, as well, mm-hmm. um, is is really developing well. Um, and Henry Spade, I'm not sure exactly what he's doing next year, but um, we can see there's a there's a fair bit of talent out wide there. I think it's just showing up those playmaking stocks. Um, in terms of their season, look, I think we had higher hopes than, particularly early in the season. I think they were quite disappointing, and, and we would have expected a lot more. And for that, I'd probably still score them about a 5 out of 10 for this season overall. But they have improved a lot um, since the pressure has probably dropped off them. Um, and I think Dan McKellar's really brought this group in together well. And that might actually see him stick around for a couple more years in the coaching role. Just quickly before we move on, do you reckon Tavita has locked up that 13 jersey for the Wallabies after these last couple of weeks? Yeah, and I think that's provided he is healthy. He, he took a bit of a knock on the weekend. Um, I can't remember exactly what it was to. I think it was a, maybe a shoulder or something. But they're doing some scans on him this week, and hopefully he'll be all, all good to start training with the Wallabies because we really need him there. Um, I know Curtis Rona has, has shown a bit of form of late as well, um, but I think you really did see TK outplay him on the weekend, and he's really been bringing some strong carries and some good footwork lately. And we really, I think, you know, need him to be at full fitness against the All Blacks with his defensive prowess as well. Yeah, totally agree. If you if you hadn't been seeing much of Tavita in the last few weeks, uh, seeing him match up directly against Rona and have a game like he had on Saturday, I, I don't have any question. If Karevi's not around, he's the clear clear thirteen for mine. I, I don't think you're picking anyone else, and and he's a deserving thirteen. I don't know what's sparked his um, increased effort and motivation. He, he looks way more engaged in what's going on. Uh, maybe just missing out in the June series was was enough to stoke the fire. But um, no, he looks great, and I hope he hope he is healthy and can come into the uh, rugby championship series with with full health and and starting strong. Let's blow through a few of these other games. Uh, so we also had on Friday the Chiefs versus the Hurricanes, and what we thought the Hurricanes would probably come out and win this. Chiefs playing a bit of an understrength side. Uh, no Damian McKenzie had his brother filling in at 10, but 
look, they came out strong and they got the win. And that's going to set up a really interesting matchup next week with these two teams again. But Chiefs winning this one, 28-24. Yeah, very unexpected. We we didn't see this coming. I'd, as soon as Marty McKenzie was, was slotted in there at 10, I thought, oh, no, this is going to be very one-way. But, yeah, the, the Hurricanes have had a few moments this season just generally where we've been a bit surprised. We've They've definitely had their... Uh, invincible mantle kind of shaken and not just by like good teams like a team like the Chiefs has come through this season with a lot of injuries and a lot of change and they've just managed to keep winning and now they're right there immediately behind the Hurricanes in terms of the you know the points score they're not that far off I it, it wouldn't surprise me I, we'll talk about this later but I think the Hurricanes are a little bit vulnerable even with their superstar lineup I I don't think they're all really performing like a well-oiled machine at the moment. No, the Chiefs are showing exactly how teams should play together. They complement each other well. Um, like you said, Leo, they've been hit with injuries. They were missing a lot of guys in this this um, particular game as well. It doesn't seem to matter with them. They just keep plugging away. They stick to their structures. They defend well. And they really capitalise on any sort of opportunities they have. Some of their backs are just so electric, um, and we're used to seeing that. Someone like Alamalo is just such a freak. Like it's, mm, so it's good really, to watch. really nice to see. Yeah, like he's just a pleasure to watch every time he touches the ball. A bit similar to Flau in some ways, just makes thing, things happen. Um, but the Chiefs, yeah, look, you, you can't say enough good things about them. They play with such good spirit. They've got a really good following there in Waikato. It's a bit of a shame they couldn't win by, you know, get the margin up and, and actually take home field advantage away from the Canes here. They just played to the conditions well. It was belting down rain there, and they just adapted, and they continue to do so. So like you say, Leo, I don't know. This is going to be a, a bit of a crazy game, I think, on the weekend to um, set things alight because I, I have a feeling the Canes will welcome back a few guys that are missed from their starting lineup, but equally the Chiefs might get some guys back too. Um, and if it's a dry track down there in Wellington, who knows what can happen? Like, the Chiefs really have the mental edge on the on the Canes at the moment. It's whether the, the Canes can dig themselves out of this hole they've made for themselves. Yeah, what a way to start off playoff football with the Chiefs and Hurricanes next week. Definitely going to be a bit of a precursor to what we expect over the next couple of weeks, really. Moving on, and Crusade is taking on the Blues on Saturday afternoon. And this one was close early. I know myself and Leo were following the score before heading out to Allianz Stadium and we were watching it sort of staying a bit close, staying a bit close and then actually got to our seats at the stadium, checked the final score and surprised to see Crusaders 54, Blues 17. Surprised to a degree, but um, also maybe not so surprised that the Crusaders versus Blues uh, margin on on the bookies was probably quite high as well. But yeah, it was definitely competitive. And and Arch, the point you made last week about the Hurricane, uh, sorry, the Crusaders scoring before half time. Well, what do we get this week? Another try in the 40th mm-hmm. minute, was it? Yep, that's right. Yeah, it is. They play all the way through both halves. Uh, they don't go looking for that break. They are just uh, there to put points on you, no matter what minute it is, if, until that final whistle. So um, yeah, look, I I haven't gone back and watched this game. It's not not too interested in the blues for the rest of the season obviously but the crusaders just just on that on that final scoreline and the way it played out i think it just again demonstrates how consistent they are they're always chasing points they're definitely the chess masters in this competition yeah and that's 12 in a row for the crusaders i 
I don't know. You know, I was I was really hot on the the Canes a bit earlier on, but now, look, we'll talk about our projections. But the the Crusaders, I I fail to see how they're gonna drop a game from here. Um, you know, my thoughts might change this week um, after we see the games on the weekend. But at the moment, they look unstoppable. Yeah, and obviously that's the end of the season for the Blues. And looking back, you got to sort of think, feel a bit like they might be the most disappointing team in Super Rugby at the moment. You go through what a healthy lineup is for them, and I understand they've been a bit marred by injury, as a few teams have. But we've seen the Chiefs have that problem. We've seen other teams cope with that and adjust to that. And the Blues really never looked like they did. Yes, they're having to come up against these strong New Zealand teams every week, but they didn't manage to win one game against a fellow New Zealand opposition. And it's it's a bit sad because you do have electric players like the Awani brothers in that team. Uh, you obviously have good sort of um, captains in sort of Augustine Pulu. You have Sonny Bill that can make something out of nothing. And you have some of those other guys like Milani Nanai, Matt Duffy at the back. And obviously some of these big boys like Kano. Who's Kano. Here. Yeah, and Tuanga Farsi up front as well. They have the names to put together a really strong team. But it just doesn't seem to happen. And it's, it's again, inconsistency. But it's, it's probably one in five, one in four times um, that they'll actually come out and play to their potential. So probably the biggest disappointment. Um, this year for, for me in terms of teams. I saw them come out in the Brisbane 10s, win that tournament, and look really strong. I thought the Blues were going to have a really strong year and really um, come back into a little bit of form. What we remember from the old days, Carlos Spencer-wise, where it was between the Blues and the Crusaders, who was the best um, New Zealand Super Rugby team. So, look, I'd probably only give them a, around a 3 or so out of 10 uh, for their 2018 season. Yeah, they should be the lowest scored team. Um, they can't make any excuses. They have a strong roster. They they need to have a dramatic shift in their culture, I think. Mm. And they're going to persist with Tanari Munger. I don't think he's the problem necessarily. Um, it's whether there's something they can be do, doing better within the club in terms of building a stronger culture where these guys are, you know, just spending more time together and really solidifying some strong combinations within the team. Um, the Chiefs do that really well. Not sure if they can they can poach some of the co- coaching staff of the, the Chiefs to kind of shore up um, what they're doing there in Auckland. But we really do want to see rugby in Auckland being strong again. Um, there's a, so much talent that comes through that system. Um, and we don't want to see people going over and watching the Auckland Warriors New Zealand Warriors instead of watching the Blues. We want the Blues to be strong at Eden Park and we want them to turn around pretty quickly. Um, so let's let's hope for next year they can take a step forward because this year, yeah, it's been pretty disappointing. Let's move on to the South African games and a few finals teams and a few final playoff places decided in these games. Uh, first we'll go to Johannesburg and Emirates Park. The Lions brought on the Bulls and Early looks like the Bulls were going to be in with a shot here, but the Lions starting to fire again. And got to say, they looked like the Lions of old towards the second half of this game, coming out winners 38-12. to 
Yeah, it's an interesting game, this one, because the, the Bulls actually started off really well and they kept it close, um, you know, for the first maybe 40, 50 minutes, I think it was. But the Lions, they, they're finding a way again to, to score big points. Having Malcolm Marks back makes such a big difference. It makes me really wor- worry about them in the playoffs. Harry, having Warren Whiteley back as well, big factor, I think, in their leadership. Um, and you're seeing them getting you know their best guys back on the park more generally they seem to be forming better combinations throughout their backs i'm still a bit i have a lot of question marks over yanchi's actually he makes some really poor decisions um and he keeps taking the ball to the line and just getting kind of monstered um which actually has been stunting their attack so he's a bit out of form but you know apart from that when ross cronier came on in this game it was quite impressive they started getting getting their structures together um, and in the end, you know, it was a, a good win by them leading into the finals. But, yeah, I think we should talk a bit about the Bulls as well. So the Bulls have finished their season. Uh, I, I had them uh, last week as my team who I thought had, had probably missed their opportunity. They've, they've got another team with a strong roster, relatively consistent after the first few rounds of the season. They, they stuck with a fairly consistent team. Um, this, this week they didn't play their full side. But they, they still challenge the Lions, and, and I think we'll, we'll see another competitive South African team uh, in these guys next year if they can keep that most of that roster together and put in a good off-season. Their, their biggest issue is, is probably, the, again, the consistency. So they've got quite good structure. They're, they're quite um, expansive when they play into attack, which is a, a different feature for the Bulls of recent years. Uh, they really, they really just need to bet in those combinations and, and give Andre Pollard as much time as possible um, with forward momentum. So get get those big forwards rolling and, and get the forward dominance like like most teams are trying to do. Andre Pollard's got everything they need to distribute out that back line and and the the outside backs are, are pretty exciting. I know we didn't think that much of Warwick Gallant, but he did actually come come to rise up a bit in the in the later part of the season. So between Gallant and Creel, like there's plenty of good outside backs to build around. They've got, they've got a good spine there. So uh, I think big things next year, but disappointing this year probably could have been a little bit better. They're, they're probably in and around the five for me as well for the season. I just find it fascinating how much, you know, the commentators love to say, well, Gallant, they just say his name every like two minutes. Like it's ridiculous. It seems like, like even like when he hasn't done anything, it was, yeah, but even, he like, played very well in this game. Particularly his name. They, does they, do a lot. they were giving him several nicknames in this game as well. They were like, do you know what his teammates call him? They call him the Boogeyman because suddenly he's there and then suddenly he's gone. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. That's not like a Boogeyman thing. And, and then they started calling him Casper the Friendly Ghost at the end. They're like, he just goes through. He's Casper the Friendly Ghost. I was like, what the hell is going on? It's like, it's like anti, is that like anti-racism or something? They're like, look, I'm calling him a ghost. I'm not talking think, about his skin I think it just means they've seen the, the movie poster but not watched the movie. These guys that commentate the Sabbath <clears throat> games, still, still by far the worst commentators in the game, hmm. um, they're just so biased. They can be funny at times, but they're they're just they've got some weird stuff that they say, and they just seem to be stuck in a different era. Like it's just they weird. Work, Even they work at, really hard to pump the South African oh, individuals and teams. Like everything is glorious. Another and team. You it's, forget there's another team when it's a foreign team. They're just like, yeah, oh, we'll yeah, just talk about what the South African team is doing. 
It's a different. It's, um, it's a different yeah, story. I, I can't stand it to be honest, but it's um, you know it, you got to give them credit for pumping up their their own um, franchises. I guess it's not like Phil Kearns doesn't do it as well. Yeah, true. Yeah, it's it's almost entertaining when it's two African teams. It's all right when there's another team sort of in there. It, it becomes a bit annoying, a bit frustrating when they they can't mention one good thing that the other teams do. But let's look at the last game for the round, and that was the Sharks coming up against a completely understrength Hagiwari's side. I think that was only two or three of their normal sort of starting 15 in this game. And the Sharks, look, they took their chance and they secured their playoff berth, um, getting you up into that eighth spot and winning this game 20 to 10. And the yeah, like you said, the the Hagiwari's didn't come to to win this one at all. Their team list suggested that they'd made the decision they weren't going to chase... Well, maybe they thought the Lions would definitely win and there was no need to chase top spot in their conference. Obviously, that would be a huge boon if they, if they had Lions loss and then managed to turn around, get, get into third. Or, but, the yeah, you know what? Good on the Sharks. That's that's the performance they needed to put in to, to get into the finals. And the Rebels, you know, will be ruining, ruining their missed opportunity. But um, now we've got three South African teams in the finals and... Albeit, I don't think the Sharks are going to go very far because they've got the Crusaders this week. You know, they've given themselves a chance and and they and they ground out this this win with with their proper team. They stuck with it. One of the few teams that played their full full strength side, bar injury. So a good effort, and and we'll see if the Jags have any have any setbacks from not playing their proper squad and having a week off. Yeah, I think like the Haguars, you can't really take much from this game for them. Uh, they had a few sort of looking, a uh, few flares of attack still, um, but I'm very excited to see what they do with the fully rested side coming up um, against the Lions next week in Johannesburg. But I think the Sharks didn't really show that much that I think they'll be able to threaten too much in this playoff series. It's probably much more of a one and done for them. So before we jump into the playoffs, uh, we'll take this time out because Will Miller was kind enough to sit down and have a bit of a chat with us this week, uh, and we'll bring you that interview now. All right, and the Running Rugby podcast is proud to welcome from the New South Wales Waratahs, Will Miller, onto the show, a new sensation in 2018 and currently sporting the number seven jersey. Will, how are you going? I'm good, mate. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on the show. So, I mean, we'll get into Super Rugby um, in a little bit, but tell us a little bit about yourself. When did you start playing rugby? Um, I started playing rugby when I was about five years old, down at Shoalhaven, down in um, the south coast, Illawarra area, and um, I played all my juniors there and ended up going to Scottsview 11 and 12 and then stayed in Sydney after that. Oh, lovely. Were you always a back rower? Um, yeah, pretty well. Yeah? Always, always thereabouts. Mm-hmm. Now you spent some time with the Rebels last year. How how was your time down in Melbourne? Uh, it was good. It was a it was um, tough because we weren't winning, but it was mm. for me really it was a good opportunity and it it sort of opened a, a couple of doors for me um, with the Waratahs this year being one of them and and um, let me I guess break into the Super Rugby scene a little bit, which has um, been pretty lucky for for me really. Yeah, yeah it, was good. So it was pretty good for me, really, yeah. Is it nice to get back to your home state and play in the Sky Blue? 
Yeah, definitely. I've um, I've always grew up dreaming about playing for the Waratahs, and now that I, I am, it's um, I'm really happy to be and, and really enjoying it as well. And yeah, it's obviously starting to get to the serious end of the season, and um, couldn't be happier. How's how's it been getting to play and train alongside Michael Hooper? Do you think you've learned a thing or two? Has it improved your game? Yeah, definitely. I think um, players like him and and sort of lots of um, really good players there that you sort of learn off. You pick their brains a lot. Um, it's it may, it's you, the more you train against them and, and try and challenge yourself against them. I guess the more you'll learn and the the better off you be from it. And it's only um it's only been good for me really. Yeah, so, I mean, I can say since he's been injured, you've been doing an absolute great job sort of filling his role. I don't think anyone's really noticed his absence too much. Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, I've had a couple of all right games, but I think everyone's eager to get him back if he, um, when, he, when he comes good. Mm. But he's, um, he's, obviously, oh, he's obviously a great leader and, and uh well-respected players for the team, so everyone, everyone wants him out there. It's just, um, yeah, I'm just trying to do whatever I can at the moment to to, to help out the team and, and play my part. Yeah. I saw on the weekend he's running water for you guys, so it must be nice still having him around to still give you a bit of motivation from the sideline. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's, he was giving a few chats. I think he didn't want to get too involved with the talks, but he was sort of getting in everyone's ear a little bit and telling them, little things to do and stuff. I think he was probably just as frustrated as all we were with, with the way we were playing. Um, mm. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't one of the better ones, but that's all right. We can put that behind us this weekend, hopefully, which will be good. Yeah, it sounds like you guys were pretty unlucky this week against the Brummies. I mean, despite a great intercept try from yourself, um, it seems like you boys just couldn't quite match their intensity in parts. Um, yeah, I think I think we probably just didn't didn't go out there with a good enough mindset. Um, I think it was it was all our own mistakes that let them score their tries. Sort of um, makes it a bit more frustrating. Mm. Like it's not it's not the worst in the world if a better team beats you, but if you know that you haven't played well enough or you haven't played to your potential, it, it's a it's a lot harder to sort of stomach, I guess. Yeah, no, it must be difficult. I guess you, as you said, you got to put it behind you, and you've got the finals yeah. now ahead. Um, obviously the Highlanders coming up this week. How are you guys approaching yeah. the game? Is it helpful that you've already played and beat them already this season? Um, yeah, I think so. They're, they're, obviously we had a red card and a yellow card for them last time when we played them, um, which sort of tilted the game a lot. But um, I, I think we're sort of just taking them as they are and, and done a fair bit of, bit of study on their game and how they play and got a few plans in place to try and nullify that and, and help us sort of um, play a, a good style of rugby that will hopefully come out on top, which I, I believe if we all play well enough and all, if we all do our jobs right, then there's no reason we shouldn't win. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think you you guys definitely have the the skills to put the put an away a win and get through the next round. Now, turning to um, some of the other things happening around in Super Rugby, um, this season, I mean, it's a bit of a hot topic at the moment. We've seen a lot of changes in the way player safety is managed, particularly sort of infringements and yellow and red cards. Um, I know us fans and, and some of the coaches have come out in sort of protests of excessive use of them. As a player, how do you feel about it? 
And do you think they're having sort of too big an impact on some of the competitive games? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think there's probably some of the yellow and red cards that come out. I, I can't really wrap my head around, but I guess the main thing is like consistency. If if they're gonna do it for one team, they've got to do it for everyone. And, and I guess like that's the main thing you want. You want a consistent rule that you know is in place. That like everyone's following, it makes it a lot easier than mm. if one week it's a sort of a soft one, it's just a penalty, and the next week it's a red card. It's pretty um, it's pretty annoying and unpredictable, I guess. Yeah, it definitely makes your guys' job harder when you don't know how you're going to be um, wrapped around laws in the game. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, I mean, turning to a lighter thing, as I talk to you, it sounds like you're driving back home to the South Coast, as you mentioned. Um, do you get back home often? Uh, yeah, I try and get home uh, on my days off. Um, obviously, that depends what uh, where we're playing and and what the travel's like for the week. Because if we've got too much travel, I don't, I, I can't get home just because it's a bit. Um, it'll make me a little bit too tired, I guess. But um, when whenever we've just got like back-to-back home games, or probably once once a fortnight, I'll normally get home and um, give them a hand if I can. But yeah, it's, it's, oh, I really like it back home and it's sort of probably better for my well-being anyway, my headspace just to get home and, and back on the farm every so often. Mm. Yeah, I heard from someone that you're you're often found down on your um, family's dairy farm milking cows, is that right? Yeah, I try and, um, try and avoid the mornings now, but now that I'm not, um, I don't have to do it, but <laughs> I seem to get roped into it a fair bit. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. Um, you've obviously signed for the 2019 season with the Waratahs. Do you have any plans beyond that? Any aspirations to, you know, go further or go overseas or anything? Um, at the moment, I'm not really thinking about any of any like anything past that. I'm sort of I'm looking forward to next year and putting my best foot forward and trying to do as much as I can. And um, and I, I normally just sort of take it step by step. I'm not I'm not really that worried about what will happen after that. If I play well enough, then I guess um, something will come up and that will take care of itself. Mm. But, um, yeah, just for now, I'm just sort of just wanting to, wanting to play better and get better as a, as a player. Yeah. Well, Will, you're an absolute champion for having a chat with us. All the best for the That's game right. this weekend. Um, Thank and, you. And we're looking forward to seeing a, a lot more of you in the years to come. Hope so too. Thanks, thanks, mate. Thank you. Yeah, once again, thanks to Will Miller for taking some time out of their, their busy playoff preparations and um, and having a bit of a chat with us. Always good to get a bit of an insight into what the players' sort of thoughts are regarding playoffs and and these sort of cards and things that are that are being sort of spread out through Super Rugby this year. Yeah, good job, Will. Great regular season. Uh, we've enjoyed seeing you out on the field and. You gave us you gave us some hope last weekend when you ripped off that great intercept and, and went half the field. Uh, just a shame the, the rest of the guys couldn't couldn't do it again. But uh, no, we're backing you in the finals. The one team we're we're behind, so go Waratahs. Look, I think he's been killing it. I'm so glad that he's had the opportunity to come up from the Rebels and you know really make his mark on this Waratahs team. Um, and we've you know if if Hooper Hooper hasn't really gone down like this before. Um, so to have Will Miller there 
Um, even playing six for us, but slotting really well into that seven role when Hooper's been out, this has been incredibly good for, for the team. And, you know, it's it's going to give us a boost going into the finals, I think, having having someone that can really pilfer the ball like he can. Yeah, definitely. So finals time, and there are eight teams left. And so rather than just going through every game like we normally do, I want you guys to give me a bit of a bracket. Tell me how you think this whole series, the next three weeks, is going to break down and who you end up having winning the Super Rugby 2018 Championship. All right, Arch. Well, look, for me, I think this Friday night game, Canes, Chiefs, it's going to be massive. I think the the Chiefs, in some ways, did the Canes a bit of a favour here. They really showed that they need to front up, be really strong in their forwards. I think, you know, the fact they're playing at home is is really, really good for the, for the Canes. Um, I'm taking the Canes in this one. I think they'll recover from what was a pretty average performance against the Chiefs on the weekend. I think you'll see the Canes regain um, some of that strong form we saw a bit earlier on in the season. Um, so I think they'll go through. I'm not going to tip a score in that one until I see the lineups, but that's how I see it for the first game. In terms of the second one, Crusaders are too too good to go past. Sharks have to travel all the way over from Durban. Um, and you've seen even, say, the Crusaders welcome back guys, or recently, obviously, Kieran Reid, um, last week, Israel Dag. They just have talent all over the park, and it's a really well-balanced team where you can't really see any weak points within their lineup. So I think they'll be far too good for the Sharks. And then, the look, in the next game, I'm, I'm pretty worried about this one. Highlanders, I think, have so much potential in their team. They have, again, a lot of threats across the park. And equally, the Waratahs do as well. But I just I just get the feeling that the Tars have, have got the wobbles a little bit and the, the Highlanders may actually take this game. Um, I know you guys will be there supporting um, and it's going to be a great occasion. And I think there'll be, be, be plenty of points scored in this. Um, but I'm going to take the Highlanders. And then finally... Look, Lions back to some winning ways. Jaguars had that really strong run of form, um, but now again they've they've kind of gone into a situation where it looks like they've tapered off a bit. So I'm taking the Lions in the final game. So that means you obviously have the Crusaders coming up against the Canes in the first semi, and then the Highlanders going to Joburg uh, to versus the Lions. Who do you have winning, or who do you have getting into the Super Rugby final then? Mate, again, I think Crusaders too strong. Um, I probably, I've, I've kind of touted the Canes as the better team earlier on, but I think I've been corrected in that. I think the Crusaders will go through to the final once again. And in the other game, again, I think if it is the Highlanders versus the Lions, being over in Joburg, I give the Lions the edge. Um, I think this one will be a much, much tighter game. Um, but I think you're going to see from the way that I've seen this this final series play out, I think you're going to see the Crusaders at home taking on the Lions in the final. And Crusaders to win on your thoughts? or Yeah, mate. Look, they did it last year in Joburg. Um, I think they've actually got even better form maybe coming into this year's finals. And down there in Christchurch, um, I think the Lions, the trouble will be too much for them. Um, and trying to break that hoodoo of last year, look, that's three finals in the row for the Lions. And I think the Crusaders, though, will go back-to-back and be champions this year. How's that stack up against your bracket, Leo? I know you've been furiously 
jotting down what you think is going to happen. Um, what differences or similarities do you have? Look, I think some things in this competition are inevitable. And one of those things are that the Crusaders are amazing and will we'll win a lot of games. I have them getting all the way through to the final. Um, but, I, but I am a little bit uh, considering whether the Chiefs could actually pull the upset at whether the Hurricanes are, are actually going to turn this around. They've, they've just looked a little bit shaky to me the last few weeks. They haven't, even with Bowden there, um, they haven't actually put together one of those really scintillating performances. And I think there's upset potential, but I think ultimately, even if the Chiefs got through, the Crusaders would, would take them out and, and make their way to the finals. Um, similarly to Toby, the Waratahs-Highlanders game, as a Waratahs fan, I'm really worried about that one. The Waratahs, I think, have... They have the potential to win this, obviously. They can do it. But then to, to now have to go to Johannesburg, where I think the Lions will have beaten the Jags and and be hosting another game, I don't know if either the Highlanders or the Waratahs would be able to beat the Lions as they come back into form. They've got their full forward pack back. They're just a different team with Whiteley and Marks and, and all these guys around them. I think, I think the Waratahs or the Highlanders, whoever goes through, would have to absolutely nail Yanchies, um, really bust through that 10 channel. I think he's the weak link. Um, but if you can't do that, it's, it's, it's all a bit the same for me. It's, it's, it's really Crusaders lions and, and I'm still on the Crusaders. I just think these guys are, are still proving that they're the best team in this competition. And I don't see them barring some sort of huge brain fade, uh, or complacency, which they just do not seem, to show they're the one team that doesn't seem to take anything for granted. They're always winning. They're always trying to win games in every minute of every game. I think the Crusaders, it's, it's a Crusaders competition and we're all just here to spectate. <laughs> See, um, I'm going to take a little bit of a different slant, but I'll, I'm going to involve one of the same teams. Um, I think the top four teams are all going to make it through this first round. Uh, the only difference is I do believe the Hurricanes can do it in Canterbury. I think they've, They've learnt from their previous mistakes. I think they will turn it around. And I think that will mean that they then have to go to Johannesburg and versus the Lions, which I then have the Lions winning this one third grand final in a row, as we've said. But from what I saw on the weekend, they are just so potent. If they play anywhere up to their potential, if they have uh, Quagga Smith and Malcolm Marks disrupting every ruck, it seems like, um, I'm not sure there's too many teams that can come out on top against that so i have the lions winning but from you two both the crusaders winning either way i feel like this is going to be a really great final series i think you're right as well arched about if if the hurricanes i think the hurricanes are the one team when they're on who might be able to beat the crusaders and then that opens up the whole home and away and and different conferences like what happens when the hurricanes play a team like the lions that could go absolutely absolutely anywhere and would be a you know a really good a really good game in its own right so i have to wait and see maybe the crusaders can be beaten i'm with you boys this is going to be it's been a great year of super rugby we've really enjoyed it i think maybe the australian teams have, have let us down in some ways but i think we're seeing you know a couple of them really start to develop and i, I see some good signs for next year so Let's hope this, you know, really strong running rugby continues throughout the final series. Um, these teams are all capable of really turning it on. Um, and I think we've probably got the best eight teams there. So let's, um, 
let's get around it and, and make sure we support the Tars on the weekend because they really need it. It's going to be a fantastic game. And you know what? If they make it through to the semi, I give them every chance to um, make it through the final because I think that they've they've got the experience in this team um, to go to, to the final again. And imagine, it could be a Crusaders-Waratahs final. So that would be great. You know, we speculated they're going to go out, but you know what? If they get there, if they, they do have in. the potential. He's back in. I'm, look, I'm saying what I think is going to happen. One thing, one thing I want to throw in there before we wrap this up. We've, we've just finished the regular season. Looking back at last year, so 2017 to 2018, every single Australian team has improved on their results from last year. Last year, our best team was the Brumbies. They went 6-9. and nine. Now, obviously, different number of games this year. You get one extra game in 2018. But 6-9 and nine for our best team is pretty poor. Waratahs were 9-1-6 and six this year, which obviously still isn't as high up as we'd want them to be. But it gave them the chance at being second in the, in the overall, so that's still pretty good. And you've had the Rebels go from one win to seven wins. The, Re- the, sorry, the Reds go from four wins to six wins. The Sunwolves go from two wins to three wins. Uh, and the Brumbies, even that six and nine, they've gone to seven and nine. So all in all, we've, we've managed to gain some ground back on both the New Zealand and South African conferences. We've broken the streak. We're definitely trending in the right direction. We shouldn't be too disappointed. And we want four big off seasons for those teams and, and hopefully a shorter off season for the Tars because they go deep into finals. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll, we'll, probably, we'll probably touch on, you know, the impact of losing the force, what that has had across the, the other four teams. Um, in in our season recap, but I think you can see a little bit that that has benefited the other teams um, at first glance. Look, it's been an enjoyable season, and I, I look forward to the finals. Shout out to the Force beating uh, APO Samoa over the last weekend, and also Samoa versus Germany in the finals um, World Cup qualifying game, um, taking that. Second last qualifying spot, Germany now going to repechage with uh, Canada and one other team um, to try and wrap up that final World Cup spot for next year. But this weekend, guys, get into it. I know I'll be watching rugby all weekend. Won't be a disappointing game in there. They'll all be amazing to watch starting this Friday with the Chiefs Hurricanes. Uh, thanks again for listening in and tuning in, guys. Remember to let your friends know and hit subscribe up on Apple Podcasts or on, uh, Pocket Casts and Stitcher. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Running Rugby Podcast uh, or follow us on Twitter and tweet us some questions at Running Rugby Pod. Again, guys, I'm so psyched for this weekend. Um, I'm sure you guys are too. Can't wait and let's go those Tars. Keep on running, boys. Go the Tars. Let's go, Taz. Run. Where did you you see that? that? That's so funny. Look at his face. Algie said the Lions were going to win. <laughs>